Hey, good morning. Welcome to our daily time in God's Word together uh, as we continue uh, with Acts. Um, you know, it's such a good time to do our Rooted in Christ together each morning. I, I look forward to being with you through these reflections. It's just a, a lot of fun to unpack God's Word together. Um, today, we're starting chapter 19 of Acts. Uh, we're going to be reading about Paul in Ephesus, a very interesting story and a story that depends on where you've grown up or the religious communities you've been a part of how this 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 passage will either make a lot of sense to you or confuse you. So let's 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 walk together with it and see kind of where we wind up. Well Apollos was in Corinth. Remember we talked yesterday about, about Apollos and Corinth and how he was a, such a respected and and widely known and regarded um teacher in the early church. And this here is referencing what we see in 1 Corinthians as I mentioned yesterday. While Apollos was in Corinth Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard of that there, there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were tw about 12 of them. He entered the, the synagogue and for three months spoke out boldly, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. When some stubbornly refused to believe and spoke evil of the way before the congregation, he left them. Taking the disciples with him, he argued daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the, word of the Lord. So we see here God, Paul's continued ministry uh we see how i love what it says at the end that this continued for two years so that all the residents of asia both greeks and jews jews and greeks rather heard the word of the lord so through paul's ministry efforts ministry, uh, missionary efforts all the folks in this part of the world heard about jesus golly wouldn't that be great to say about us would it be great to say that because of our lifestyles and because of our teaching and our preaching, that all of madison county heard about jesus or all of the metro area or all of wherever you live, while you're watching or listening to this, heard about Jesus because of our actions. That's a, that's a great goal to live into, isn't it, y'all? That's something for us to kind of desire and to live into, is to that all the world can come to know and hear of Jesus because of us. Um, so I, I love that end of there. Let's talk about the main part of this section, the main section there. Um, where Paul comes into Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus, of course, is where is the church that he wrote the book of Ephesians 2. Um, Paul comes to Ephesus and, and he meets these, these disciples, these, these ones that are following what's called the way or are following these teachings. And, and he says, um, do you do you have the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we don't know there is a Holy Spirit. So they had really received an entryway into the gospel, but had not yet. We see this, you can compare this with Apollos. Apollos um, didn't, didn't fully understand um, he 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 only knew of so John so Apollos in the section we read yesterday only knew of um the uh the the baptism of of John and today these believers in Ephesus as well um so we see in Ephesus this must be a thing going on there that they don't know the full truth so just like Paul I'm sorry just like Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos off to the side and told them told him rather about the full truth of the gospel. He knew part, but not all. 
Paul does the same thing here. He he takes these individuals off who knew a good chunk of the gospel and a good chunk of what we know, but did not know the fullness of it. And I think that's important for us to think about because we have two we have two errors we can make sometimes. One is to disregard the Old Testament and our Jewish history and heritage. And that's dangerous because we're founded upon the Old Testament. We're the, the Old Testament stories and teachings and morality. Those are our stories as Christians as well. So we don't, I, I've never liked the phrase, a New Testament church. I, I want to be a whole Bible church. And, and I want, uh, the Old Testament matters deeply and greatly. So um, that's what we see here. They know the Old Testament. They just don't know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, for those of you who are my age and older. Um, and so what Priscilla and Aquila did is they 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 told them the rest of the story. And so that's what Paul does here. So one danger is to only is to only know the New Testament. But another danger is what we face here, they only knew the Old Testament. We need the combination of both. We need the totality of scripture. And that's how scripture fits together best is when it's read in totality. So we so I don't know if you've noticed a little pattern I have here with how I do rooted particularly in this, this this time now that I'm doing videos, um, we will finish Acts in the coming weeks, and then we're going to do an Old Testament book. And then we'll do that Old Testament book, and then we'll switch back to a New Testament. So we're going to go old and new, old and new. We're going to bounce back and forth because it's important for us as Christians to know the totality of Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. They only knew, Apollos only knew the Old Testament, if you will. He didn't know the full teachings of Jesus. Here, they didn't know the full teachings of Jesus. So in the same way Priscilla and Aquila taught Apollos, Paul teaches these believers here. But what's interesting to me is it says here, and this has caused some conflict in the church, and that's what I alluded to earlier. Uh, it says here, on verse 5, it says, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may have heard um, the concept of Jesus' name baptism. There are certain churches out there that say that the only baptism that's valid is this valid where you're baptized in the name of Jesus. If you remember at the end of Matthew, when Jesus gives the great commission, he tells us to go forth and make believers baptizing, make disciples, baptizing them, them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Um, the baptismal name, if you will, the baptismal blessing that church, the church has always historically used is the Trinitarian baptism. So we're baptized into the name of the father, to the son, to the Holy spirit. Here, they're baptized into Jesus' name. So let's talk about what that means. They were talking earlier of John's baptism. And then it says they're baptized in, into Jesus. Baptized, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, in the Bible, so important for us to understand. In the Bible, your name isn't what they called you. Your name is who you were. So once again... Think about how many times in Scripture God changes someone's name. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarah becomes Sarah. Saul, Acts, becomes Paul. In the book of Revelation, it says we will be, we will be given a new name. So your name isn't just what they called you. It was who you were. So in the Bible, when your name is changed, that's a significant way of saying that you are changed. You are saved. You are converted. The name changing moments in scripture typically tie into a key pivotal moment in the life of that individual where they're drawn closer to God or more obedient to God. So 
here, when it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that isn't just the significance of his name, but they're being baptized in the totality of who Jesus is. His name is who he is. So they were baptized into the way of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the same way that, that we are with the Trinitarian baptismal blessing. You're baptized into the life of the Trinity. So to be baptized into Jesus' name here is not talking about the name that the literal words of Jesus baptized in the name of Jesus. Jesus tells us to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about here, he's drawing a contrast between Jesus' baptism, which is that Trinitarian baptism, and John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. So there are certain denominations out there that you may run into or churches out there that say a baptism is only valid if the blessing that is given over the baptism was that of Jesus. When Jesus clearly tells us in Matthew that the blessing of the baptism is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What Paul is, what Luke is telling us here, and what Paul is talking about here is that they were baptized into the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the return of Jesus. To speak of Jesus' name is to speak of the totality of Jesus Christ. And by the way, this is conversion. This is salvation. And salvation itself is a Trinitarian act. The totality of the Trinity is at work in our salvation or in this being brought into Jesus' name. We are saved. We are, we are made right with the Father through the, through the Son by the Spirit. Our very salvation is a Trinitarian act or Trinitarian experience. Made right with the Father through the Son by the Spirit. So to be baptized in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to be baptized into the fullness of God. What he's speaking of here, this here is contrasting Jesus' baptism, which was Trinitarian, to John's baptism, which was repentance-based, if you will. John was doing a Jewish form of ceremonial washing. Jesus was calling this into a baptism that is Trinitarian, and the baptism that is fully in the life of God, where Jesus' baptism is significant of being made right with the Father, by the Son, through the Spirit. That's what he's talking about here when he talks of Jesus' name, being baptized into the fullness of Jesus, that Trinitarian salvific experience. So I want you to understand that, because you may run into a church someday that talks of a Jesus' name baptism. What the scriptures talk about here is being baptized into the fullness of who Jesus Christ is, which is that tr Trinitarian experience of being made right with the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. So, just want to kind of unpack that. If you ever see that happen in your faith or in your experiences, that's where that comes from. And I just want you to understand what is the correct scriptural interpretation of that concept. So anyway, I just always find that story interesting. Um, tomorrow's story is fun. Tomorrow's a good story. Um, good times tomorrow. Good time. Oh, the next two stories are good. We got we got a whole bunch of whole bunch of rowdiness coming up. So I look forward to that. So anyway, Ephesus is an interesting town. A lot of stuff happens in Ephesus. So um, anyway, uh, tomorrow we'll pick up with uh, Acts chapter nineteen, verse eleven. Um, thanks for being with us. Have a great rest of your day. See ya. <laughs>